Good morning. For our community stories this morning, we are talking with a couple of people about the 50th annual Makato Wasipi Powwow that it will be held in here in Mankato on the weekend of September 16th through September 18th. And with me this morning, I have Dan Zielski, who is the vice chair, and Alice DeYoung, a volunteer service learning coordinator. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Glad to have both of you on the radio this morning to talk about this event. I understand it's the 50th year that this has been taking place. Well, it's it's 50 years of having powwows uh, in Mankato. We did have the, f- the first one was in 1972. Uh, they took a year off in 1973 because they were only going to do it every other year. And then from then on in 74, it became annual. And you stuff take 2020 like this. off too because of the... Uh, well, we had a virtual powwow okay. for that one. So uh, we did provide the education needs for mm-hmm. the high school. And it was a virtual powwow. Not it the same. But not, not the same. It's not like hanging out with your brothers and f- sisters and family. For so. sure. Well, Dan, let's talk about the history of the Makato Wasipi here in when it started, how it developed, who did it, and how it's continued. Well, the Mankato powwow here... Uh, First off, the name is Makato, M-A-H-K-A-T-O. And, Makato, uh, thank you. Yes, and that's actually the name of our town. I used to uh, be with the Historical Society, and the pa- paperwork was actually sent out to have this town named Makato with an H. And somewhere in Washington, they had a typo and turned it to an N. So instead of Makato, which means blue earth, we're Mankato, which means blue skunk. <laughs> so that's, that's why our literary society in town is called the Blue Skunk Society. I did not know that. That's a g- good piece of history there. That's interesting. My sister, when she was born, they spelled her name wrong. So instead of Teresa with one R, she became Teresa with two R's, and they just left it at the hospital. <laughs> so things happen, right? Yes, things happen. So, And as far as the uh, powwow, of course, it uh, is to reunify from the great injustice of, of the Dakota uprising uh, and the, the the famine that was caused by them not receiving what they were supposed to from the treaties and, and stuff like this, and basically just left to, uh, to die that year. That was a, a year that was really bad for harvests and everything. And the Dakota were actually eating their pets. Uh, it was so bad in 1862. So, so they they there was a fight broke out between a farmer and the kids, and then the young the young men uh, killed the farmer and his wife, and and uh, that started the whole thing. So that was the the war of 1862 here in our area. Uh, and the, our powwow is very much associated with that uh, hanging. Bud Lawrence and Jim Buckley and, oh, one other native gentleman, who Barry Blackhawk, there we go, that's his name, got together and they decided that they would like to try to reunify because in those days, uh, being the late 60s, early 70s, Native Americans were very afraid to even stop in Mankato. As late as 1987, we had a older couple that stopped at a restaurant in Mankato only to be drug out of the restaurant and beat up because they were Native. 87? 87. Oh, my gosh. And in 2008, we had an incident where a couple of our young ladies had gone to hy V to pick up stuff for the powwow, 
and they were accosted uh, by a group of bikers who then uh, tried to rape them and, and basically chased them all the way back to the powwow ground and stuff. And unfortunately, earlier this year, there was one incident that I did hear about uh, a uh, intoxicated middle-aged gentleman. Well, maybe not gentleman, but uh, anyway, he he uh, tried to attack one of uh, our veterans who was in his day in Vietnam. He was with special forces, so he basically just kind of brushed him off, and when he fell to the floor, the the owner of the place and, and one of his employees grabbed the guy and threw him out. So it's really incredible that this is happening in these late years. Yes, yes, even even today, and we had noticed uh, you know a big change because of the powwow. Um, so with all of that back history, as I said, the the three of them, Barry Blackhawk, uh, Jim Buckley, and and Bud Lawrence, decided that they would walk up to. Prairie Island to talk with Amos Owen, who is a spiritual leader of the Dakota people. And uh, after talking with him and on several different occasions and uh, stuff, uh, Amos decided to to uh, go out to Bear Butte to the Sacred Hill out there. And uh, he did a ceremony which we call Humblecha. Uh, the common name for it is the Vision Quest Ceremony. And while he was having his ceremony, he did have a vision about starting a powwow here in Mankato. Thus, our Mankato powwow is a traditional powwow. It started with a vision. We keep it as traditional as we can. Uh, our vendors and stuff uh, cannot sell, you know, little uh, little toys or trinkets. things, like trinkets yeah. or things like that. They have to they have to sell things that would be made by native people. So authentic. Yep, so we're a very authentic uh, powwow uh, and stuff. So that's that was really the, the, the beginning of it because then in 1972 they were at Floyd Rogers uh, Park was the first place where they uh, held the powwow and at grand entry of that powwow there were 38 bald eagles came flying in and they circled over the powwow grounds for about an hour and a half to two hours while they had the very, very, very first powwow, and that was very strong medicine, and that's when they decided that it had to keep going. I have heard that before about the, the eagles, and that's that just incredible. So you now you mentioned Floyd Rogers. Is it the Franklin Rogers Park that you mean? Or? Yes, yes. Okay, just yep. making sure we've got the Rogers Park. But now it's in the Land of Memories Park. How did that become the site for many years then? Well, um, I think it was only up at the baseball field for the first year. Okay. Then the second year they moved it to, or the second time they moved it to, uh, it was Sibley Park, and they were there for, I think, one or two years or so, and then it was moved over to, at that time it was called West Sibley. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. And stuff, and so then they moved it over there. Now, the one of the reasons why that's important to us is because uh, the there uh, are sacred burial mounds that are out and around that park, and it was it is a park that has been used for that vision quest ceremony numbers of times throughout the years, uh, and stuff. So that's uh, it's still a very much a uh, religious site for the Dakota and Lakota people. And it's grown over the years. To was it initially just Native Americans and others were invited to it, or has that always been? Anyone Mankato, who's welcome. Mankato has always been open okay. to all nations. The man who taught 
uh, Amos Owen, his name was Frank Fools Crowen, and uh, he actually learned from Black Elk himself. So we we're you know we're fourth generation of Black Elk's teachings, and in it you look at uh, if you go down and you look at the arbor and you see the four colors, uh, you see the uh, the black, the red, the yellow, and the white, and that according to Frank Fools Crow represents the four races of the human people, the four skin colors, the four races, or however it is. And so they're all wrapped into one circle. And so our powwow is for all nations and all peoples. In fact, the Mankato powwow was the first to actually have non-Native people in the sweat lodge, the first one to have women in the sweat lodge, and things like that. So we, we, we did a lot of firsts. And a lot of people don't realize that that very first sweat lodges in 1972 were actually illegal because uh, the Native American religion was banned from being practiced uh, until Jimmy Carter signs the Freedom of Religion Act, and I think it was 76 or 78. So the first couple years of powwow, uh, technically they were we were breaking the law, us radical <laughs> old fogies. Now, have you been involved since the beginning, the inception then? Dan? Oh, no. I mean, I, I, I don't know how old you are. I'm not going to ask, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, it sounds like, you know, it's been going on for a long time. So you've been obviously involved for quite a while, though. Yes, I've I've been on for uh, uh, 28 years, and, and uh, Alice next to me here has been there for 30. So we, we are... How has it changed well over the years? Have you noticed, has the reception gotten better? Do you always feel it's been well-received? Or how do you, you know, do you interpret being part of this for so many years? Well, the, as far as what I've seen, we, as a town and a area, and our people with the Dakota and their relationships have changed back and <coughs> forth different times. Things are definitely better. There, we do not have the numbers of attacks on Native people in our town that we used to have. It used to, you know, like I said, pretty much be regular, any, regular and, and like that. <laughs> and we notice then that the uh, Education Day is definitely a helper uh, and stuff. We started our Education Day with third graders, and, and then they decided to move it to the sixth grade uh, in order to take care of uh, the requirements for education. I know that has always been a highlight. I have a couple kids who've gone through that, and it's really a, a great opportunity for them to be a part of something that they have never been exposed to before. So great educational opportunity. What about yours is traditional? What does it mean to be a traditional powwow? What sorts of things are included in that that might be, I don't know what a non-traditional would be. Well, a non-traditional is what they call a contest powwow. And a contest powwow usually is produced quite often by the casino or it's like that. And so what they're doing is they're redistributing a lot of the money and things that way. So each of the different dances that they do, they will have a winner who gets so much, you know, dollars or whatever. And so they're competing against each other. In the traditional powwow, we'll have specials or things like this, but people dance because that's what they're there to do and uh, dancing is actually a form of prayer in the Dakota, Lakota, Nakota peoples so and actually most native 
groups. I noticed, and I've been there in the past a few number of times, and, and they do big circles, and different people <clears throat> enter at different times with different outfits and things. I mean, there must be some meaning to all Yes. What's happening? I mean, obviously, I don't know. So I'm just curious to, if somebody's watching that from the outside and doesn't know, is there an explanation that you can give an idea of how to understand what's happening? Well, let's see. I could take 30 years and really <laughs> teach everybody. Well, let's just do it. <laughs> we'll start. We'll start with the circle. Why a circle? Uh, because when you're out on the plains and you look up at the moon at night when it's full, it's a circle. You look at the sun. It's a circle. You look around at the horizon around you, and it's a large circle. So the whole life and everything on the uh, is based on the circle, and so that that's why we we have our circle of life and the circle of people uh, and stuff. Now, depending on the tradition of the Native American group, some of them dance clockwise and some of them dance counterclockwise, right. and so it just depends on on what the tradition is of that particular. Uh, group of people, that particular tribe. Now there will be times when you see maybe one person, you know, everyone else, everyone's dancing, counter, let's say counterclockwise, and then one person's dancing clockwise against the whole thing. Um, those people are usually what are called heyoka, uh, or the clown. And <laughs> Is that a good thing? It's a very medicine thing. Okay. They are considered some of the most more powerful medicine people within the community okay. and stuff like this. And the, the going against the grain, oh, as it were. Makes sense. May, yeah. Um, so they not only do are they going the opposite way, but their life's, you know, their whole life is, is, is backwards and, and, and stuff like this. So quite often uh, people who are of the LBJ community and stuff will dance the Hayoka dance and be be the backwards because technically that's was what they were in the in the society they Dakota and Lakota Native American societies have very much uh, welcomed the uh, the gay and lesbian communities and stuff uh, into their uh, into what they do they're they don't shun them the way our culture does now, when you talk about all the dancers and, and things happening, there's also things you talk about sweat lodge. Is the sweat lodge, you mentioned that nobody, with the exception of certain people, were welcome in the past, and now they've opened that. What is that about, and what does that mean, and who can come, and why would they come? Well, story goes back quite a f- number of years ago, over 30-some generations at least. White buffalo calf woman who was uh, a medicine spiritual woman who would have come from the clouds in some of the mm-hmm. stories came to the Dakota people and the she first ran into two brothers uh, and stuff and the she was a very beautiful and dressed in white buffalo robe and everything like that and and the one brother tried to pick up on her and and like this and and she smited him and he basically turned into a pile of bones. After watching his brother get turned into a pile of bones, the other brother was quite scared, <laughs> yeah. and she said that she needed, you know, take take me back to your village. And so she took him back to the, or he took her back to the village, and there she taught the people the seven rites of the sacred pipe. And one of those sacred rites is that of of the sweat lodge or Inipe is its name 
And so that's where you have that uh, coming in uh, because it's the, the sacred rite and stuff like that for the, for the people. So our sweat lodge in, in Mankato, as I said before, it is open. We'll have a sweat on Thursday night, which we call the sweat for the 38. And it, it very much focuses on the, the hanging and stuff like this. And, and we, we live in their tradition, we are really are calling back the spirits of the 38 to help watch over the powwow uh, for the week. Then we'll have another sweat on Friday, another one on Saturday, and then we'll have the final sweat Sunday after we're all done. And and then Monday morning we close everything out. Are the public welcome to all these activities on the, the basically the September 16th through the 18th at Land of Memories? Yes, they are. Okay. Yes, they are. There are, if uh, people are thinking of going into the sweat, they need to be free of alcohol and drugs for uh, at least four days before, and then we ask four days after, too. So that's kind of one of the big things is, is that that commitment uh, and things. But yes, a- anyone can come, and uh, th- if you're interested in it, find the go down to the lodge area and talk with the elders and the keepers and the people who are down there and they they'll let you they'll let you know what you need to do okay very good i want to turn to alice to make sure she gets gets a chance to to visit because alice you are the volunteer service learning coordinator and you deal with a lot of the educational things talk a little bit about your role and what sorts of things you do to the with the the wasipi sure uh, i started 30 years ago i came into the powwow in, in 91 and it was a year after Amos Owens um, passed away, and I just happened to find this powwow just by, it was just a matter of timing and luck, I guess. And then I, you know, I was just um, a community person for just a couple years. And then about into the third year of kind of getting involved with everything, I I started trying to get high school students involved in you know, and helping out because, you know, it was starting to grow little by little. When I showed up there, there was only like 50, 75 people there at that powwow. Oh my gosh, wow. Yeah. And so I've seen it grown tremendously by, you know, leaps and bounds over the years. And so then I stuck with the high school students for a while and then I moved on to the college and I got involved with the service learning department at MSU. And I was also an MSU student at the time, and I started getting, I talked with Bud Lawrence. He was kind of the one that kind of got me up and involved more so. And since I've been doing the 28 years of placement for college students and volunteers, I'll talk about the separation here in a minute. I've been working specifically with, you know, with the with not only Mankato State, but with Gus Davis and Bethany as well. And so it, everything just kind of started snowballing. You know, I got more and more students involved and, and everything like that. And I thought, well, I'm just going to keep keep doing what I'm doing. And then so then so the difference between volunteering and service learning is a volunteer will come in and they will maybe only put in just a couple two three hours or something like that service learning is where you're providing a service for an event 
which, you know, there. So then they, they may be behind the scenes working along with maybe a committee member or something. And then the learning part is where I end up coordinating and having presenters come, come down and they will be actually doing hands-on interactive learning with those college students. Mm-hmm. They'll have a chance to talk to elders. So they're more actively involved. And plus, it's something that is maybe either a requirement or something their professor is going to say, hey, we want you to do a credit for this. Um, they'll write a reflection paper. And at the end of when they're done with all their hours, then they submit an evaluation. And I want to let you know that I have placed over 1,500 college students. And are over you employed by MSU then? Am I employed? No, I so am. Is... I'm a I'm a pro, I'm the program director of a nonprofit called Project Gem. Oh, okay. Yeah, gotcha. yep. And so on our on the Project Gem website, there is an area where they can go to and read about for the powwow. And then at the bottom, there's a Google form where they can sign up. Okay. And then on the Mankato powwow website, you go to volunteers, and then it'll say check here or whatever, and then the, the Google form will come up. If anybody's interested in wanting to do service learning it's a minimum of six hours so they get one three-hour shift of service one three-hour shift of learning and just to let you know that through the years I've seen heard so many positive things from these college students many of them that end up coming here they didn't even know about really anything other than white man's history books and so they get a chance to actually get a feel for what this is all about to have an understanding that this is part of their culture. This is part of our area of where they were, you know, some of their parents maybe were born and raised and whatnot. But to hear, you know, to eliminate the reason I feel education is so important is to help eliminate the labeling, the stereotyping that goes along sometimes, you know, with with a different culture when somebody is doesn't understand what the true essence of what it's about. Alice, you've been involved for 30 years. Have you seen attitudes change through the years? Um, in in a sense where you mean like coming from the college students or from just the people in general I, I guess in general since you've, you've kind of been a part of this for so yeah. long yeah um, I would have to say I think it's starting to open up minds a little bit you know I mean I feel and what I've heard is you know there's still some people that think the powwow is only for Indian folk and it's not I mean, is it's for everyone, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just like with any event around here. We're a non-alcoholic event, you know. So one of the very few, if you think about all the events that take place, there's always alcohol involved. Not this one, and so yes, I mean, it's more of there's more an awareness. I think technology has a lot to do with that. You know, the internet, the Mankato powwow is also on Facebook, so social media, and a lot of people respond to to that page and and stuff. So I think the kids, the students are starting to open up. Now, Education Day is on Friday. That's for the sixth graders for District 77. Is it just District 77 or do other area schools come too? It's just District 77. Uh, They fund the Education Day and so a part of their guidelines to us is that it's for District 77 students. Now, during that day, is the public welcome, or is that mainly just for the kids? It's just for the kids. So the Friday is for kids, and then everything else opens up on? Um, yes, I'm going to, uh, so at... Kind of give me an idea to make sure people know when right. it's okay to come. 
the buttons are one of our main. That's the Their money entry. that goes back okay. into you know trying to ha- for for future powwow. Sure. But the gate opens up uh, for selling right around Friday afternoon, shortly after um, the buses have left. Okay. And then that button, once you purchase that button, that button will get you in for the whole entire weekend. So it's not like every day you got to pay a price. It's that one. Bu- Do you just get the button at the door or at the the gates, or can you get them anywhere else ahead of time? Or what? Um, mainly, mainly at at the powwow. Okay. Yeah, that's what you go through the committee people, and so then the grand entry is at seven p.m. on Friday night, and then Saturday grand entry again at one o'clock again at seven o'clock and then Sunday at one o'clock and then we're pretty much shut down right around five o'clock on Sunday. So it goes the whole entire time. Everybody's already signed up for camping so there's no open camping right now. It gets filled up really really quickly. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. How many people do you think you actually have nowadays? She mentioned there was maybe 75 way back when. Uh, Do you have any ideas? Well we right now have 75 on our waiting list for campers. Oh but I mean in terms of (laughs) attendees and people that participate. The large Largest powwow that numbers wise that I remember in my tenure here would be in right around twelve thousand. That's amazing. Yeah. That was a really really big year. Um, most most of the time we average around six to eight mm-hmm. or so. Yeah, it depends upon the weather, you know, for the most part. But that's what it usually averages out, probably right around you know spectators between five to eight thousand. And where do people park and things? That's at the Land of Memories Park. Is there enough parking there? Is that an issue at all? Parking is no issue because you come in and we have people who will park you. They will park you out on the Frisbee Golf Lawn. So that's where the parking is. So So about food and things. So, I mean, you talk about it being a family event. So if you come there and you want to make a day of it, is there food and things available and games or? Oh, yes. Yep. There's so much, so much to see and do. They have something called an education tent. And so anybody, if you have questions regarding anything regarding the powwow, anything Indian related, you can definitely go to the education tent. There's um, a couple different tables and information that's going to be in there this year. it's going to be covering some some topics that some people maybe might be uncomfortable with, but it's definitely reality, especially some of the things that have been coming out about the boarding schools recently that have been in the news, stuff like that. But anyway, besides that, there is the food is unbelievable. We have the food vendors, the taco burger, taco burgers and uh, the fry bread and whatnot. And then there's the jewelry and the crafts, the artisans, you know, it's their livelihood. So in that circle, they get to you know, come there and I mean, experience so so much. I mean, it's kind of it's a, it's like a family type of thing. Where do they all come from? Is it mainly from people the Midwest com- or people come from all over the country? Canada. Some people have come from Germany. I mean, yeah. We've even had Tibetan monks come so that they can experience the sweat lodge and things like this because they had heard about the religious and the the spiritualness of this powwow all the way in Tibet. Is there anything special about this particular year? I know Dave Braveheart was very much involved in the powwow over the years, and of course many of us know we've had him on the radio talking about his battle with ALS and that sort of thing. Is he going to be a part of it this year? Is there anything to honor someone like him? Yes, there will be a couple of things uh, that will be done probably during the dedication of the arbor itself. This year, we've uh, we will be de- dedicating our arbor to 
Natalia Isidore Ashes, who lost her life last year. Because of a uh, storm, right? The storm knocked, uh, knocked down a pretty large limb off of a tree that fell on her tent, and uh, she passed away from that. And so, um, so there will be a big sign dedicating the, the arbor to her. And yes, it, Dave Braveheart, there's at least two or three different things that I know of uh, where, where they're going to basically come and, and say nice things about Dave and, and like that. So, uh, yeah, he's, technically he has uh, offered his resignation at the end of this powwow and we've kind of decided with as the membership that uh, we want this one to be a good one for him so myself and and Jim Howling Wolf will be taking all of the problems that pop up at the last minute. (laughs) I just know that he's been a big part of it. Now speaking of volunteers I know you deal with volunteers Alice. You needing more volunteers? It's coming up well on the weekend the 16th or the 18th? Right, and they can check out the um, the Google form and stuff. I uh, Saturday is our busy day. So, I mean, I if anybody is looking for service learning hours, definitely check out the Powwow website or go to the Project Gem website, and either either or, and then that will take you to the Google form, and then they can fill out. But a minimum of six hours is what it's kind of set up to do, and then I will get them placed. And yeah, I've been coordinating you know like right now I think we're sitting a little over half of what I what we need but there'll be other students coming in I've I went over to Gus Davis and talked to that college and and then I got a hold of somebody at Bethany and so we try to get the word out there you know I mean in our powwow you know it's team effort I mean you know it's committee people we work really really hard at what we do. I want to thank both Dan Zielski who is the vice chair and Alice DeYoung the volunteer service learning coordinator of the Makato Wasipi Powwow celebrating, well, it says it's the 50th annual, and that will be in the Land of Memories Park at 100 Amos Owen Lane, Mankato, coming up the weekend of September 16th through the 18th. Thank you both for coming on. Thank you. Thank you.